Well, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. To all of our listeners in the United States, I welcome you. And to all of our listeners in other countries, I'm honored to have you with us. So glad to have you join us. Welcome everyone to Marriage and Family Clinic. In Southern Virginia, we're coming to you on WGPL 1350 and WPCE 1400 on your AM dial. And for you FM listeners, we're coming to you on WBXB 100.1 on your FM dial. And you can also listen in the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other broadcast, you can find the podcast by searching Bishop C.D. Hodges, Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes. Or you can even click on that iTunes purple podcast player on your smart device. Click that little purple icon and search Bishop C.D. Hodges. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. And I don't know about you, but I was so very glad to finally leave 2020. I mean, 2020 threw us all through the whole world for a loop. COVID-19 was like somebody dropped a big atom bomb on us. People died. Waves of living changed. The social order was upset. People lost jobs and homes and economies reeled and rocked all over the world. And the list goes on and on and on. And anyone with any sense at all knows that it was only God who brought us through all of that. So I don't know about you, but I'm praising God every day of this year now for his mercy, his grace, and for bringing us through 2020. Now, I remember around last summer sometime when the COVID numbers began to drop in New York, Governor Cuomo, New York's governor, reported on the falling numbers and had the unmitigated goal to say that the credit for those numbers coming down, the credit didn't go to government and the credit didn't even go to God. He claimed we did this. And I absolutely have no doubt. I absolutely have no doubt that the reason we're in the mess that we're in now is because for so long, man, mankind, humans have tried to live life without the benefit of God's counsel. I'm going somewhere here. Bear with me. Folks, it just doesn't work. Proverbs 14 and 12 says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Simply put, man does not have what it takes to live peaceful, protected, fulfilling lives of liberty and equality without divine help. If God doesn't help us, There will be no peace, there will be no fulfillment of lives, there will be no equality, and there will be no liberty. And for this reason, our world is sitting on a powder keg and division prevails all over our nation. And I tell you what the old folks used to say, ain't nobody happy but the devil. Early last year, there were multiple incidents that took place involving law enforcement's unjustified use of force on citizens, especially black citizens, in this nation. And many people took to social media to voice their displeasure and their demands for change. 
We saw the rise of Black Lives Matter as an organization, as well as a truth to answer the call for social change. And as I watched various views made public, it became apparent to me that most opinions were all about making some point and stating some position. And every time somebody on one side would state a point or take a position, somebody on the opposite side would state their counterpoint and take their counterposition. And unfortunately, this, act, this activity was split right down the middle, right down the color line. Black folks were generally planting themselves in one position while white folks were generally planting themselves in a counter position or vice versa and other folks were caught somewhere in the middle. There was no dialogue. Our country continues to hurt because there is no dialogue. And I began to search myself and concluded that when I express my opinions, I would be either a part of the problem or a part of the cure. I considered that my citizenship in and my responsibility to God's kingdom should motivate and drive my responses and my opinions. Because one of Jesus' beatitudes in his Sermon on the Mount, that became my guiding principle to responding to all of this chaos. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I decided that my public comments and opinions would be directed towards peacemaking, or else I would just be quiet. So I found myself being quiet often. However, things change. I have refrained since last summer, I have refrained in large part from engaging in online political discussions. However, I never thought that in my life I would see what I saw on January the 6th, 2021. An organized, prepared, armed, gun-toting, bomb-carrying, rebellious, unruly mob of domestic terrorists engaged in a plan and attacked took over and ransacked the capital of the United States of America. And as a result now, five people are dead. Five families lost their loved ones to what can be termed no less than domestic terrorism. These people openly displayed total disregard for the law. They bullied and threatened law enforcement officers and violently, forcefully, and illegally held the U.S. Capitol hostage in order to make their political point and further their political agenda. And that's my layman's definition of domestic terrorists. But if you looked it up in the dictionary, if you looked up domestic terrorism in the dictionary, you would see a picture of the foolishness that took place in Washington, D.C., in the capital of the United States of America on January the 6th. My heart sank as I thought I was watching a scene from a sci-fi movie or something. And, 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 and I'm just so disappointed, to say the least so disappointed to announce that this violent, illegal melee was incited by the President of the United States, Mr. Trump.
My heart hurts even now to have to announce it, to even have to believe it. It's painful. One of the most iconic symbols of freedom and democracy known around the world, the United States Capitol, was taken over and left defenseless. Our elected representatives were forced to run and hide for their lives. And the lack of any resistance is appalling, shocking. The lack of resistance is actually scary. Armed thugs ransacked the Capitol and some shouted and charged, Where is Mike Pence? Where is Mike Pence? These people wanted to disrupt the final step in our electoral process, and they wanted to do harm to the vice president, Mr. Pence, in the process. What we saw on January the 6th was nothing less than a real-life coup attempt. Oh, it wasn't some third-world country. It was the United States of America. It was an act of anarchy and insurrection. The prototypical act of anarchy and insurrection. And all of us who have served in the military or who have had loved ones serve in the military or loved ones who have fought and died in the military, I refuse to believe this is what they fought for. I refuse to believe this is what we, we signed on for. And based on what I saw, based on every definition of deadly force that law enforcement has used to justify the unreasonable force applied to others, I would expect that anyone who would violently attempt to take over the U.S. Capitol in the manner in which we witnessed on January the 6th, I would expect those folks to be met with deadly force. Yet there was an eerie absence of force. If the proper authorities did not know what was going to happen on January the 6th, that was a total breakdown in intelligence. I hate to say this, but if the proper authorities did know what was going to happen, I, I don't even want to finish that thought. I don't even want to finish the thought. I can't help but recall when Black Lives Matter that organized march was executed in Washington, D.C. I can't help but recall, we all witnessed men and women who were dressed in full riot gear, dressed in full combat gear, and armed to the teeth. They lined the steps of the Capitol in a great show of force. And in response to all of this, the president himself, even ordered armed federal agents to guard federal property in cities during last summer's uprisings. In response, the president himself ordered civilian-clothed federal agents to snatch people off the streets in what was very possibly an illegal activity. However, on January the 6th, the president didn't even lift a finger or say a word to stop or to minimize the foolishness, not until it was too late. And even now, even now, I call to the floor anyone who previously cursed, 
denigrated or expressed anger and disdain for Colin Kaepernick, for Black Lives Matter, and Antifa for that matter. And let me tell you something. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not even a fan of Black Lives Matter. I've spoken my thoughts about that organization before. I am no fan of Antifa. But if you've expressed anger and great disdain, if you've been so offended by Colin Kaepernick, Black Lives Matter, and or Antifa, I call on these people because I hope they didn't use up all of their cursings. If you curse Colin Kaepernick, if you curse Black Lives Matter, if you cursed Antifa, then your cursing should have increased 100-fold at the events of January the 6th. Nothing either of these three has done has come anywhere close to the foolishness we witnessed on January the 6th. And in response to what we saw at the U.S. Capitol, the minimum reasonable and just response to that foolishness is an unambiguous, categorical condemnation of those events. Nothing less. The minimum response is an unambiguous, categorical condemnation of those events. Nothing less. And yet, I'm seeing on media, I'm hearing in the news, I'm watching interviews where people are still somehow or another defending those acts. Listen, again, I'm not a fan of Black Lives Matter. I am not a Black Lives Matter fan. I do not like the organization and I do not espouse its tenets. Some even say the statement is true that black lives matter. Absolutely, the statement is true. Black lives matter. Sure it is. But the statement is so symbiotically attached to the organization that it's too difficult to separate the two. What I'm saying is that it pains me to suggest that the reason such a demonstrable show of force was present at the Black Lives Matter march is because there was intelligence that knew they would be there. And not only that, but there was a prevailing thought that considered that those who marched in the name of Black Lives Matter, it was possible that those marchers were capable of the most heinous conduct. Hence, there was a great demonstrable show of force. They believed that to march in the name of Black Lives Matter, they believed that to march in the name of, of justice, that those folks were capable of the most heinous conduct. And one possible reason that there was no appropriate show of force at the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th was because the prevailing thought was that a group of predominantly white, conservative, right-leaning people could never perpetrate any activity that would place the capital or any other government structure in danger. Let me say that again. One possible reason that there was a lack of protection for the capital, that there was a lack of a show of force, was that the prevailing thought 
was that a group of predominantly white, conservative, right-leaning people could never perpetrate any activity that would place the capital or any other government structure in jeopardy. And let me make something abundantly clear. Let me make something abundantly clear. I am not labeling every white person. I am not saying white people are bad. I am not saying that any race or any color of people is inherently bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a group, a sizable group, that would rather see the government taken over than abide by the Constitution. There is a sizable group, and they receive favor. I really don't want to insert the matter of race or color into this event. I really don't. I would rather not. But the circumstances beg it. The circumstances beg that we at least consider the notion of racial disparity when it comes to the response that we saw in the Capitol on January the 6th. The experiences of black and white people are so vastly different throughout American history that it just comes up even when you rather it would not come up. And I know a lot of white people who have grown up close to black people and so forth and so on. And, and, and I know a lot of white people who are good, some are bad. I know a lot of black people who are good, some are bad. Uh, I'm not selecting a race over another race. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom and that's where my loyalty goes first and foremost. But we've come up so different. Our experiences are so different. Our backgrounds are so different different that out it is turned into different world views we just view the world differently on january the 6th i heard multiple persons angrily assert things like this is our house and we want our country back i even heard a couple of people say something like we built this country A lot of people discount that there is such a thing as white privilege. But I want to say something different in this program. Those people who made those types of remarks and comments, this is our house, we want our country back, we built this country. They had no part in building this country. They are blessed just as I am. To live in this country. It's a blessing to be in this, live in this country. And every citizen of this country, we owe this country, we owe the world. Nobody owes us. We're blessed to be here. But when they made those types of comments, they were relying on their white heritage. That's what they were saying. My heritage gives me privilege. And so while a lot of people discount that there is such a thing as white privilege, I want to suggest to you one application or definition of white privilege, if there is such a thing. White privilege is believing that you are justified to throw a violent, illegal temper tantrum, destroy property, and put lives in danger in order to make your point and regain your sense of security because you believe in your mind that you have suffered some grave injustice. 
I want to say that again. If there is such a thing as white privilege, if there is such a thing, white privilege is believing that you are justified to throw a violent, illegal temper tantrum, destroy property, and put lives in danger in order to make your political point and regain or attempt to regain your sense of security because you believe in your mind that you have suffered some grave injustice. And again, I stress in the very, very, very strongest term, I am not referring to all white people. Shoot, I wouldn't be as blessed as I am right now if not for some white people in, in my life that I know. I want to say also in the very, very strongest terms that this event was in no way whatsoever similar to the Revolutionary War. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And everyone who would make such a claim, they are energized by the devil himself. As a matter of fact, 99.99% of the people who participated in that melee on the 6th of January were energized by the devil himself. You know what? I'm suddenly reminded that John Brown attempted to overtake the military armory in Hopper's Ferry, Virginia, back at the Civil War, uh, beginning of the Civil War, early on there, and uh, uh, in order to fight for slavery. He wanted to fight for slavery, and he attacked that federal complex. Well, he was captured, and he was hanged. But at least he had a definitive cause. It was against the wicked institution of slavery. What was the definitive cause on the 6th of January? And if John Brown was hanged after he fought for a definitive cause, how much more should there be serious consequences for all of those who participated in the events of 6 January in our nation's capital. In his Gettysburg Address, Abraham Lincoln masterfully put the Civil War into context and perspective. Lincoln said the Civil War was a test of whether or not the nation could really endure when it was conceived in the notion that all men are created equal. The Civil War is a test now. The Civil War is a test of this creed. Lincoln went on to say that honoring those who died at Gettysburg meant those who live must be dedicated and devoted to the notion of equality. Lincoln concluded the Gettysburg Address by calling forth a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, not a few people, not the chosen few, not the elite, not the aristocracy, not certain people, but that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. I want to suggest to you all the masses that are in such an uproar over this election, I want to suggest to you, 
if you had been half as concerned for justice for all peoples since the civil rights movement, since Jim Crow, if you had expressed half as much concern for their rights, for the rights of all people, for justice for all people, I declare that I just do not think we would be in the shape that we are in today. Oh, I'm talking to people in our churches, talking to people in our government. I'm talking to the everyday guy, the everyday gal. If we all were as concerned about justice for all people, we've got to deal with some issues in the United States of America. We have to deal, we have some issues to deal with. And are you noticing, again, I'd rather not insert race into this thing, but it just begs the question. Do you notice, as I do, that every couple of years now we have this big supposedly racial reckoning, but we never reckon. We never reckon our racial issues. And they are not figments of our imagination. How can we be expected to, to support those who ransacked the Capitol because they believed a lie? And you're telling me that racial disparity is just a figment of everyone's imagination? No, they ransacked the Capitol on imagination. Oh my God. The United States has long derided, scorned, and attacked nations around the world in the name of building democracy. Yet our democracy teetered on January the 6th, 2021 because of the blindness and ignorance of a few. In my humble opinion, we showed our democracy hangs by a thread. And it's really scary to me. Because after everything that I have seen happen in the last few years, after what I've seen people get away with, what I've heard people say, our democracy hangs by a thread. And there are certain classes of people, their liberty, their freedom certainly hang by a thread. As great as the United States Constitution is, the United States Constitution is no greater than the hands that hold it and the hearts that interpret it. It's a great document indeed, but the Constitution is no greater than the hands that hold it and the hearts that interpret it. January the 6th, 2021, the United States of America surrendered the moral high ground that we thought we had. And to the surprise of many, I'm saddened to announce that we are now simply another neighbor on the block in this wide world of ours. We now have become a part of the riffraff that we have looked down on for the last 200 plus years. Our only hope of recovery is to hold accountable in the strongest sense those who incited and carried out the foolishness of January the 6th. I'll say that again. Our only hope of recovery 
is to hold accountable in the strongest sense those who incited and carried out the foolishness of January the 6th. I say humbly after, at this point, I say humbly at this point that I would support invoking the 25th Amendment. The president swore on the Bible to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. On January the 6th, 2021, he failed in that task. He has demonstrated by his pattern of conduct, his pattern of past actions, and his actions on January the 6th, that he cannot be trusted to defend the Constitution, lead in order, or support the time-honored precedent of a peaceful transfer of power that we expect on January 20th. The last and most important thing I want to say is this. What we saw on January the 6th, 2021, was a manifestation of the same demonic power that has fueled every other mob activity and effort to overthrow the government. Demons don't care what color you are. And this cult-like activity is nothing less than demonic. And for this reason, I will continue to bow my knees in prayer for our nation and for our government. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Remember, you cannot have peace in your life without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. Thank you for joining Marriage and Family Clinic. Send me an email at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me know you're listening. Let me know if we're doing you any good. God bless you. We're out.